Tiki Hut Media. From Tiki Hut Media, this is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry, lay minister over at Manatee Life Church in Bradenton, Florida. We're going to head back over to the sanctuary today, and we're going to talk about, we talked about All Saints Sunday this past Sunday. We're going to look at John chapter 11, and within that, the shortest verse in the Bible, 1135, is Jesus wept. Jesus weeps with us in our grief take a more detailed look at that coming up here in the next few minutes. And also this week, the midterm elections. I consider it a privilege to participate in the democracy through voting. Historically, at least, this is a rare right and one that I don't take lightly. People often speculate how Jesus would vote. They argue over whether or not Jesus was political and to what extent he intended his followers to be. It's a hard question to answer because Jesus didn't live in a democracy. There were no candidates to campaign for, free speech was not a right, and Jesus wasn't even a citizen of the empire in which he lived. Caesar had no interest in the opinions of conquered people. Yet Jesus spoke about the social order. His teachings had political implications, and ultimately he was executed because of his political disruption. Was Jesus partisan? Well, not in a way we think of that word. Was Jesus political? Absolutely. And I think Jesus expects our faith to influence our political participation. People often ask me the next natural question, which is, how? How should Christians participate in imperfect political processes? How does Jesus influence our voting? And how we should deal with people that are so vehemently on their side and that we so vehemently disagree with? As we vote this week, I want to acknowledge that this is an emotional time for many of us. Political choices have real-life consequences for people. I hope that as Christ's followers, we remember that our first obligation is to love one another. As we fight for what we believe in politically and work to change that which we think needs to be changed, let's not forget that Christ calls us to love our neighbors as well as our enemies. Elections force us to pick winners and losers. But this is not the way in the kingdom of God. Remember, as we work for political outcomes that we believe in, that afterwards we are still called to figure out how to love those with whom we disagree. It is one of the hardest aspects of following Jesus, but also the most important commandment. Loving God and neighbor is our political platform, and we can't lose that in the midst of our national politics. Let's head over to the sanctuary. Scripture lesson for the morning, God's word for today, comes to us from the 11th chapter of John, as I told you earlier, and we're going to start with the 32nd verse. Hear the word of the Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, 
Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man and still have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his feet I'm sorry, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All Saints Day. It's a day we set aside to remember and thank God for the life of those who have passed over the past year. I think if we're honest, we're all at some level of grief right now grief of where we thought we would be at this point in 2022. All around us, there seems to be this profound sense of loss. I mean, worship attendance, not only at this church, but at every church in the country, being cut in half at best. During this time, people have lost family members and friendships. People have lost jobs, they've lost physical health and mental health. So what does it mean to respond to this profound grief as a Christian? Well, in our gospel lesson for this morning, we get a picture of what faith looks like in the face of grief and hardship. But more importantly, we get an invitation to find God with us in our grief. It's an invitation to come to God in our frustrations, in our anger, in our sadness, and even in our fear, and not be turned away. It's unconditional. Now, John chapter 11, the passage we just read, this is just a mere week, or mere weeks actually, before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And our passage takes place in a in a suburb of Jerusalem, if you will. And at this point, Jesus, he's basically a marked man. The religious leaders see Jesus as a threat and have already tried to execute him. And that was only because of his teaching. So he and the disciples, they've taken off. But now Jesus has gotten word that his close friend Lazarus is sick. The thought of going back to Jerusalem this <laughs> terrifies the disciples. And even Jesus waits two days before heading out. And the time it takes him to get to Lazarus' family, he's died. When Jesus comes to Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, Mary, in the midst of her grief, doesn't try to put on a strong face and pretend everything is okay. No, no, no. 
She comes directly to Jesus. Plain language here. Lord, if you had been here, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Can you feel the anguish in that, in that statement to Jesus? Lord, if you'd been here. Let's stop and pause right there. It's, it's, it's a gut-punching thing to say to Jesus, right? But let's take a look at the answer Jesus gives. He doesn't get on to her for her lack of faith. He doesn't get frustrated with her. He sees her. He sees her friends weeping and mourning. And we're told in verse 33 that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He asked them to take, take him to Lazarus's grave, to the very source of their pain and their grief and their disappointment. And he goes with them. And then comes verse 35, one of the most remarkable verses in all of Scripture. Our translation, the New Revised Standard Version, says Jesus began to weep. Other translations, two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Even knowing that he is God in the flesh, Jesus entered into their grief and pain to grieve with them, joining his grief to theirs. And I believe that That is what Jesus does with each and every one of us to this very day. We just had a time of memory for those saints, those people in our lives who have passed over this past year. And Jesus weeps with us. He mourns with us. He grieves with us. We're not alone. We are not alone. And my friends, that is good, good news. We don't have some detached God who is uninvolved with our lives, our needs, our heartache, our trouble. No, no, no. We have a God who actually feels what we feel and is in such unison with us that He weeps with us. Some folks watching Jesus weep commented, Oh, see how He loved Him. Others scoffed, Could He... He opened the eyes of the blind. Could he not have saved his friend? Kept him from dying? Hmm. Human beings haven't changed much in 2,000 years, have we? We always have the scoffers. The naysayers. And we, Lord willing, always have the believers. My question to you, which one are we? Are we the scoffers or are we the believers? Look at how Jesus answers. Take away the stone, he said. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus is not talking about the fact that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's also talking about where the story goes. Just a few short weeks, he's going to suffer himself in Jerusalem. He's going to suffer betrayal, abandonment, fear, sorrow, a false arrest, injustice of a false trial, 
He'll experience beating and mockery and shame, pain and death, grief upon grief upon grief. But through this, the greatest of injustices and tragedies, the glory of God will be revealed. The glory of God will be revealed. Because the absolute depth of his love for us is demonstrated as he goes beyond the ultimate. Beyond the ultimate of our human experience. To free us from the bondage of sin, death, evil, and provide those who will believe with new and eternal life. The Bible tells us that Christ's suffering is our victory. Christ's suffering is our victory, my friends. Imagine that. In Jesus' suffering, he took on the very worst the world had to, had to throw at it. He took it on. He judged it, and he defeated it. He defeated it. And the invitation to us is to join our suffering to his, to see him here with us in our difficulties, to know his tears in our tears, to know his pain in our pain, to know his loss and grief in ours, and to be set free. And that is the good news of this passage. It is our story too. That we, who without Jesus, would find ourselves helpless in the face of suffering and death. I was speaking with someone a couple of weeks ago. And they made a comment to me and said, I don't know how somebody who doesn't have Jesus makes it. I don't know how they deal with it. I don't understand. You get that? Without Jesus, how do you cope? How do you deal with it? But it is I who am shrouded in grave clothes like Lazarus, buried deep under the weight of my own sin and my own selfishness. I pray that we all hear the voice of Jesus say, come out. Jerry, come out. Put your name there. Come out. Have you heard Jesus calling you from death to life? Do you hear Jesus calling you to leave the grave, come out of sin and death and hopelessness and despair? He is. He is always calling. Always calling. Come out. What's the old hymn? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's not forcing you. He said, Brian, come out. Jerry, come out. Jesus calls us to new life in him. He offers us an awakening of our hearts by his love. And in the here and now. And if we take him up on his offer... Will things be wonderful all the time? Will we experience no more loss? No. 
But here's the difference. Here's the difference. We have new life. We have eternal life. We have hope. We have peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, Paul said. He offers us an awakening of our hearts by His love in the here and now. Our lives will never be the same again. The things the things of this world and the things that the world throws at us, Jesus proved this point. They do not have the final word. They do not have the final word. And thanks be to God for that. If you don't experience anything else in this life or do anything else, will you at least answer Jesus' call when he says your name and says, come out, come out. His call comes to us just as, just as it did to those saints that we honored this morning, those believers who have gone before us, and we thank God for them. They may have died physically, but my friends, they are not dead. They are not dead. Their lives have changed, not ended. Come out of the tomb, out of the darkness, out of the evil, out of the depth of hopelessness and despair. Those are Jesus' words to Lazarus, and they're his words to you and to me this morning. Every time they're spoken, I can't help but believe that the saints who have gone ahead of us grow silent. Beth lit two candles this morning, one for her mother and father, who both passed this year. And I imagine them both, right now, growing silent and in anticipation, praying, hoping, wondering, waiting, watching, whispering to themselves and each other. Will she take that next step? Will he take that next step? Will you? Hallelujah. Amen. Connect with us over at Manatee Life Church, the website and the Facebook page. Links to those are in the show notes of this episode. You can live stream, watch us every Sunday, every Sunday morning at 1030 Eastern Time on either one of those platforms. You can also get social with us here at Soul Ramblings Podcast. We have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Links in the show notes as well. And wherever you're listening today, I would invite you to click like, subscribe, whatever you need to do on whatever platform you listen on. And that way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. I know your time is valuable, and I really appreciate you spending your time with us today. And here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast, I'm Jerry Wicker. Keep the conversation going. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, Subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Mm-hmm.